In today's first reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans, we read, quote, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Hello again. These words of St. Paul are not, were meant not just for his Roman listeners, but to all future Christian believers. Today, we honor two such Christians as we commemorate the Feast of St. Elizabeth of Trinity and Blessed Don Scotus, a medieval Franciscan. They lived 600 years apart and exhibited different forms of holiness. St. Elizabeth witnessed to Christ through an adoration and mystical life centered on her love for Christ, while Dom Scotus' holiness was characterized by his intellectual life as a philosopher and theologian. In this respect, he explained the significance of Christ for the 13th century, while Elizabeth's holiness was characteristic of late 19th century mysticism. Allow me to explain further their insignificance. First, some words about St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. She was born as Elizabeth Catiz on July 18, 1880, near Dijon, France, and died on November 9, 1906. She was the eldest of two daughters. In her childhood, she was regarded as a brilliant pianist and a very good student overall. She would have been a most delightful child, in fact, were it not for an instinctive stubbornness, a naturally noisy nature, and a fiery temper. Although she eventually became a sister in Carmel, like said Therese of Lisieux, a comparison of their early biographies would never suggest it. Because Elizabeth was what one might kindly call a little ball of fury, so disruptive, obstreperous, and bossy was she. Another nickname given her was the little captain, that her harassed mother declared her intention to send her daughter to a school for corrections run by the Good Shepherd sisters. And the mother went so far as to pack her daughter's bags with her own hands. The threat worked. Elizabeth apologized and made sincere and repeated efforts to gain some control over her temper and her high spirits. And she later wrote, quote, I am by no means a model of patience, but I have learned to control myself, and I do not hold grudges, unquote. Elizabeth's turn toward the Carmelites progressed. She began to practice contemplative prayer, which greatly helped to tamp down her temper, although her irrepressible nature would still break through. She once noted that, quote, prayer is a rest, a relaxation. We must look at him all the time. We must keep silent. It's so simple, unquote. In August of 1901, two weeks after turning 21, Elizabeth claimed her birthday present by walking into Carmel with her mother and her sister and then bidding them a loving adieu as she passed in to the cloister or the Carmelites. Elizabeth lived only five years after entering Carmel, succumbing to the ravages of Addison's disease. Sadly, at age 26, she died, but she clearly made the most of her time there, advancing in wisdom and becoming an outstanding teacher of the ways of love through her published letters. One contemporary writer, in noting how Elizabeth of the Trinity's writing taught her how to pray with just seven words from Scripture. For example, Elizabeth would say, Lord, the one you love is sick, or 
The Lord, the love you love, the one you love is anxious. The Lord, the one you love is in danger. Lord, the one you love is unemployed and feels rejected. Lord, the one you love needs you. So you get a sense of this way of Elizabeth's mysticism being applied to our contemporary situation. I invite you to practice that. And of course, these words, Lord, the love you won is sick, comes from John's gospel where St. Martha said that to Jesus. We may say it in our own lives, practicing, Lord, the one you dot, dot, dot. Next to the, the link to this homily, you may find a brief overview as Elizabeth's life. Now let's turn to John, Don, Don Scotus, or Don's the Scot. He was born on November 8th, around the year 1265. He was a Franciscan friar, university professor, philosopher, and theologian. He was one of the foremost important Christian philosopher and theologians of Western Europe in the high Middle Ages together with Thomas Aquinas, Bonaventure, and William of Ockham. As a medieval thinker, much of his work seems to be the common abstract, to the common person, abstract and irrelevant. His thought, however, has played a significant part of the Catholic tradition from a Franciscan perspective. For example, Scotus developed a whole new theology to explain the simple vision of St. Francis. In so doing, he differed from the intellectual system of Thomas Aquinas, who was a Dominican friar. Thomas emphasized the intellect and the pursuit of truth, while Scotus, in the tradition of St. Francis, emphasized the freedom of the will in the exercise of love. Richard Rohr, a contemporary Franciscan writer, finds relevance in Scotus' thought, as well as today's first reading about love, when Rohr writes, quote, what does it mean when we're told we should love God with our whole heart, with our whole soul, with our whole mind, and with our whole strength? The first commandment is that we should love God more than anything else. The only way I know how to love God is to love what God's love. Only then do we love with divine love and allow it to flow through us. Just how does God love? Franciscan philosopher theologian Don Scotus said in his doctorate of thisness, or hecasicity, that we are to love things in and as themselves, to love things for what they are, not for what they do for us. That's when we really begin to love our spouses, our children, our neighbors, and others. When we free them from our agendas, then we can truly love them without concern for what they do for us, or how they make us look, or what they can get us. We begin to love them in themselves and for themselves, as living images of God. Now that really takes real work, unquote. Scotus also argued forcefully for the Immaculate Conception. He asserted that the very moment God freely decided that the word would be made flesh, then that very decision included a human mother. How else would he be made flesh? As Scotus put it, if God wills an end, he must will the means. This was obviously before creation had taken place in space and time. So his mother would have been conceived perfect in every way, as the mother of the word to be made flesh, or if you like, immaculate. Next to today's homily is a link to a video that offers a quick summary of Scotus's life and thought. Folks, on the feast day of these two great saints, 
May we find new ways of finding God's love in all things, whether in, through our devotional prayers like Elizabeth of the Trinity or through reason and in our thoughts like Scotus. Their feasts are indeed a means to celebrate God's love for each one of us.